Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is good to be back. What'd I miss? Bunch of Jazz losses, and now a major injury. Not only did the Jazz get dominated in Minnesota, but they lose Joe Ingles. It looked like a real serious knee injury. Now, how long is he out for? And get the definitive word with MRI today. I think uh, a lot of us, you, me, whoever you're uh, commuting with, I don't know. Uh, we looked at that and thought, ooh, that looks like it's season ending. So we'll see if they uh, give the worst possible news or if somehow maybe it's not quite that bad. Doesn't seem to be the way to bet, but I guess until all hope is gone, hold on to a little hope, right? It did not look good, though. It did not look good at all. And the Jazz lose again, and that's five in a row. Donovan Mitchell, maybe he's close to getting back, though. He was listed as questionable for the game before they declared him out. Rudy Gobert didn't play either, so not good times for the Jazz. A lot of you didn't even watch the game because you were busy watching the NFL playoffs and two more really good playoff games. Four last weekend, two this weekend. The wild card was kind of ho-hum. There weren't, the Raider-Bengal game was good, and the Niner-Cowboy game was good, and the rest of them were terrible. But now we've had six good games in a row. Six great games in a row. Joe Burrow and the Bengals on the road, 18 down, and they come back to win the game. It seemed that once Kansas City wrecked that series at the end of the half, where they have first and goal, and they run two plays, and, and I thought they had time to run two quick hitters and still kick the field goal. But when you throw the second one to Tyreek Hill at the five-yard line inbounds, and that's the end of the half. Nothing else. That was a bad decision. A quick slant into the end zone, something like that, where you either score or it's incomplete real quick, and then you can kick the field goal. They certainly missed those three points. And then they just couldn't do anything right in the second half. And they'd scored on their first three possessions leading up to that, and that just flipped the game. So Joe Burrow, can he win the college title and the NFL title? The only two, and of course the college title is always a little murky and polls and all that, but Joe Namath did it. And Joe Montana did it. And now Joe Burrow could be the third, and they all have the first name Joe. That's kind of a weird deal. But they got to beat the Rams to do it. The Rams got the Niners down 10. They rally and win, which is interesting because last time they blew a 17-point lead. This time they were down 10 in the fourth quarter. They had the ball three times. Well, like I said, four because they did the kneel down. But touchdown, field goal, field goal, and then get the ball back and just kneel down and run out the clock. Heck of a fourth quarter from the Rams. Tremendous. And I know they were the home team, but man, it didn't look like it. There were a lot of Niner fans there, and they were loving life up 17-7. But the Rams do everything right down the stretch, and the Niners don't. And now we'll see if they switch quarterbacks. It seems like that's where it's going. Garoppolo didn't have a great fourth quarter. On that last possession, he was under a ton of ton of heat. I think the thing for the Niners I'll always wonder is, should they have gone for it fourth and two at about the Ram 45? And they punted the ball, and they had a chance to intercept the intercept uh, Stafford on the first play. And they drop it. And sure enough, then he hits on a big play, and they give up a penalty and a field goal, and everything falls apart. But it's good football. And now we'll see Bengals and Rams. Uh, Rams have won a Super Bowl once, although not in L.A. They were playing in St. Louis when they did it. And the Bengals are 0-2. So we'll see what happens with that game coming up uh, in two weeks. We're going to take a break right now. we got the Best of Jazz postgame show coming up later. But coming up next, uh, last week, BYU Athletics Director Tom Holman met with the media and covered a lot of topics. Talked for like 45 minutes. We're not going to play the whole thing next, but we're going to play a big chunk of it. And he touched on a lot of things. Uh, PK asked him about the budgets in the, in the Big 12 and where is he going to rank. And Tom went into, well, you really need to break it down because, you know, where do you – 
rank in spending per sport? And then inside a sport, you know, where do you rank as far as compensating assistants or recruiting budgets? And everybody does have slightly different challenges there. Um, so Tom gets into all of that. And then the scheduling stuff's real interesting. Playing in state schools. How long will it be before you can put them back on the schedule? How's he going to decide which contracts to get out of and which contracts to uh, stay with here in these first three or four league years in the league when they had uh, 12-game schedules, if not 12, certainly 9 or 10-game schedules built. I mean, they had 12 for 2023. But he said they're really about four or five years here where they're pretty full. And there's some contracts that are easy to get out of. Some are expensive. Some are real difficult. Uh, some of the contracts... You know, the date set when normally you'd be playing conference games in October and November. How much will the Big 12 work with them on that? And he still seems to be hedging on eight or nine games. I, I would think they're going to end up playing nine. But we'll see. Maybe not. Um, they're not the only ones who want to play in-state rivals. You know, Iowa, Iowa State, I'm sure Iowa State wants to keep that game going. And I bet a bunch of the Texas schools want to play Texas and Texas A&M. So they might want to see what they can work out there. Houston has played Rice historically. TCU has played SMU. We'll see if those series continue on. I don't know if they're married to those. But I think that they'll definitely want to play Texas and Texas A&M if they can. So we'll see how all this shakes out. We'll hear from Tom Holmo next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time now to listen in. Tom Homo, 45-minute press conference with the media. Here he is. Appreciate you all coming out here for today. Um, the semi-oil event is something that I felt was important uh, a couple years ago because now with the way media is, it's a lot different. There's media every single day, um, social, and comes out, and there's so many topics that you could talk about, and I really can't, I just don't feel it's good for me, it's not my style, to address things on a daily basis, which you all have to do. And I respect that you do, <laughs> and I apologize for not being there every day. But I think we have a good enough relationship where, you know, you all come around every once in a while and can ask me something, and I, I want to be able to help. This is an opportunity to kind of catch up or look forward and Hopefully, um, I'll be able to answer the questions the best that I can um, and that, to, that you'll be able to feel good about it. Good opportunity. I'll just start by saying it's been a, a really fun year, exciting year for our student-athletes and our coaches and our teams. It's been a lot of really great performances. And here we are um, kind of on the crest of jumping into uh, the Big 12. And that, with that will come a lot of changes. So there's a lot of exciting things, and those will be some of the questions I'm sure will come up as we project changes to the big, uh, for the Big 12. And then just, um, you know, there's a lot of things in the world of college athletics that are going on that need to be addressed and are, will be talked about. I probably will have an opinion on a lot of things, but some of the things that are going on right now I'm watching it just like you, and we'll talk about those. So without any further ado, we can just jump into some questions. What's the status? Where would you say you're at as far as the transition-wise, just as far as generally getting ready for to go to the Big 12? Well, a transition, I think that um, we, when the, the day that it was announced that we're in the Big 12, People celebrated like crazy, like we had arrived. My first thing was, oh, no, you know, we have so much work to do. I really don't know on a, on a clock if, it were, if we're at 2 o'clock or 11 o'clock. It just seems to me like there's a lot of work to do and a very little time. You, you just, the more you think about and, and you project what you need and what needs to change and what needs to stay the same, there's a lot of strategy involved. 
the day will come when we play our first game and we won't be as be as ready as we can be. But we just want to be as close to that as possible. What are some of the biggest areas where you think that you have the most to catch up on going into the next year? You know, I kind of said this a little bit. I'm, I'm being a coach, former coach and former player. I kind of just look at the matchups. You know, I don't. It sound, might sound silly, or you might not understand that, but we we play in a in conferences that are not P5 conferences forever. And I remember when I played here many years ago in late 70s and early 80s, we play a lot of really great teams. We play P5 teams. They weren't called that at the time. And uh, those, those are where you see the matchups a little bit differently. And so I think it starts the way I look at it. And as I talk to our coaches and our student athletes, that's what it'll be around. I'm already talking with the coaches. I, wanna, I want them to f- be focused on what they're doing now, but we have to plan to project and so there are a lot of conversations that are going on right now with the coaches, a lot of planning. Not, I don't get into the intricacies of the matchups, but that's what I want them to do. And so if you talk about matchups, a lot of it would come down to recruiting. You know, are we going to be able to match up with talent? I think there's some other aspects of matchups would be, like, how are our facilities? Uh, are we going to be able to provide great training Opportunities. I think you could look at nutrition and sports science is a new thing. So we're just trying to look at all of the things that will put our student athletes in the best position. It's not like I think we're deficient. We just need to know the areas that we can upscale. During those uh, Big 12 meetings recently in, in Vegas, what were some of the key talking points that were discussed? The Vegas meetings, um, I think they were pretty general. There weren't a lot of specifics about it. They had some probably pretty typical annual decisions and discussions that had to take place. But the four schools that were coming into the Conference of 23 were invited. So I really don't think that there was anything in that that was, you know, cataclysmic or where we're going to go. We haven't talked about schedules. I think this spring there'll be some meetings where we'll get a little bit more down into the nitty-gritty of how and what we're doing differently. You know, Some things still need to be um, determined as for entry times and exit times for some of the schools. And so that's going to get a little tricky closer as we get to those, op- those dates. Excluding uh, Oklahoma and Texas, do you have an idea what your overall athletic budget is going to be compared to the, the, the new teams coming in and the existing teams in the Big 12? And then also specifically, what do you think it would rank football-wise? I, th- I think that it's a, it's a really good question. We're, tr- we're not going to try to jump up and create some budget based on where the rank would be. It gives you kind of an indication of what their budget might be, and you can get it. It's all public information. But it's interesting to look at Oklahoma and Texas, and it's interesting to look at BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, excuse me, where, and then look at the, the members that will be staying. I think all of those numbers are important. I like looking, like right now, if you were to just take football, we're spending a lot of time on football and the, the actual organization of the football program. 
coach, coaching changes. That doesn't change. But there's maybe support staff. And you can look at anybody along in any of those groups or teams that I mentioned, and you'll see different titles, but you won't know really what the job description is, and you'll see different numbers. And that's where I'm saying that's kind of the the strategy is that's kind of a matchup too. Are we going to be able to match Oklahoma or Kansas? If you look at Kansas basketball operation, are we? Do, are we, do we think we're going to just go right to the top? Where do we go? Well, I'm talking about in terms of uh, structure. And the answer is no. That's where we have to be smart enough and strategic enough to try to get to the point where we feel we're best to start. And then we may overshoot or be way under. But you want to be as close to where you think is right for BYU. And that's what we're doing right now, Patrick. Along those lines, Tom, the balance, I know that the BYU athletic budget is separate from tithing dollars and the church affiliation in that sense. You, you, you work in your own with your own buckets, but how does that impact things, the connection with the church? Does it have any impact in how budget is viewed, how it's approached, or is it all separate? Well, our, our budget will increase. For one, we think that we'll have to step up for support-wise, structure-wise, like I've just mentioned. And then the revenue streams will obviously be bigger. That's not a surprise or a secret. So I think that what we're trying to do is make the best use of the revenue that will be new and the existing revenue. Like I said before, I think that if you're going to just throw money at a number, it might not be as efficient as if you spend money really in this area to strengthen something that we really need help on. And there's some areas that we might not be in the top um, quartile of the Big 12. And there's other where we'll want to be up at the top. And it might not be necessarily comparing ourselves against an individual school. So you're not talking about a matchup school to school in all cases, but in some you will. Are there any individuals that maybe you're leaning on in this process to, to maybe give you guidance to help transition from one situation to a new leader? Yeah, we have uh, consultants that we work with. I'd rather not throw the names out right now because <laughs> then they'll, you'll go to them. <laughs> but uh, we have some really good, strong BYU alums and friends of BYU that um, have expertise in this area. I also have used some of my um, peers and friends in the business that have been through this before. So we're not doing it blindly. We're not doing it on our own, but we're using resources that we feel will benefit us. We can't do it alone. And you noted facilities earlier. Uh, are there plans for facility upgrades between now and when the Big 12 starts? Mm -hmm. No, not before now. When it's before it starts, we're two years away. Uh, you could probably build a building between now and two years, but you probably uh, you probably wouldn't be as good as you'd want. I think right now where we're at with facilities is trying to look at uh, a kind of a master plan and where we could be five or ten years from now. That's how far out you'd have to go in order to build some things that would be right. You're, but you could say, like, nutrition, that's not necessarily a facility where you're building a new facility, but you could be upgrading your existing facilities. So I think there's a range from adjustments and maybe edits to new, new structures. You know, as far as non-conference football, whether it's in-state schools or whomever it might be, 
Do you have any priorities that you want to keep the series going? Yeah, I think I think so. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't compare, um, you know, schools in state. That's what you asked, but yeah. I'd say yes for the in-state schools. I think that's important. We have a we have a really good tradition of playing the in-state schools, but in the for the at least the initial part of our schedule, we're, we won't be able to in some areas. We're still trying to figure that out early in. We're taking, I'm taking eight or nine teams and removing them from schedules beginning in 23. And we're scheduled out probably 26, 27 fully. And so for those years, we're going to take all out. We're trying to take teams out, not add teams. And so would we want to play Utah and Utah State? Yes. I'll comment on those because those are in-state. Yeah. We have some other teams that we've had rivalries with and have good, good played more than others. Um, you could look at other schools and like um, Boise State, the Pac-12. We've had some real good rivalries and we have scheduled games. Those are decisions that still need to be made as to when we can get back and how we will get back. Will it be a consistent every year rivalry where we're playing a rivalry game every year? You've seen that. I'd say the answer would be no. You've seen that change in the past to where it's not every year. But I think I said this, and I can remember. You can go look in your old, old columns. But I remember when um, Utah first determined that they wanted to play a, a, a non-conference game, and it would uh, mean that we wouldn't be able to play a game. And my, I think our fans got a little angry with me that I wasn't so upset about it. But I knew that the time would come that if we got into a Power Five conference, we'd be in the same situation. And we are. And so I, I just knew how difficult it would be for Chris at the time, Chris Hill, to make that change. And that's the situation we're in right now. So I, I, I can comprehend how it was and where it's going. As you, as you look through this and you go through subtracting certain teams from future schedules, what's the criteria you're using in terms of, hey, this is one we want to keep, this is one that we, how, how do you? Well, I, I, th I mean, that's a really good question. And there's a couple different answers. The criteria would be, that, you know, first of all, first and kind of foremost is go to Kalani and say, okay, people have, either been very happy or very critical about the schedules from independence, depending on the year and how it was or in general. But I would say that now we have an opportunity. We're going to play a conference schedule. And so you're either going to have three or four up games now. So a way more different strategy. And they'll come in at the times determined by the conference. So you're probably going to have all those games up front. You know, it depends on, we haven't determined that in the Big 12 yet. So there's a little bit different, it's a totally different strategy now. But playing a Big 12 schedule every year, those games will be determined by strength, where you're playing them. And right now, it's a little bit different in 23 because you got to get rid of a bunch of them. And so some of the, one of the determining factors is the contract and the terms of the contract. Can you literally get rid of the game? And some of them you can't. And some of them you can with a fee, and others you can without a fee. 
And so depending on the year and when the what the contract says, those are all factors. I mean, I think that's way too deep, but that that kind of gives you a picture of people are going to go, why didn't you just take this one out? This would have been better, but there's three or four factors for each one of those years. What's your preference for number of conference games, eight or nine? You know, it's not my preference. It's Kalani. He's a coach of the football team, and I, I really think it comes down to that. Um, we are studying. You know, when you're talking about that, you get you want more games for the conference, which can can have an effect on the revenue of your TV budget. Or do you want more non-conference games, which does allow you to have, you know, rivalry games, and you know those are other revenue streams. You know, like I hate I hate saying talking about revenue all the time, but it's going to come into play in some of these decisions. It won't be the primary factor, but if we don't think about those things, and even if determining what BYU thinks, we're now in a conference. You know, we're we're one of a number of members that will make that determination based on the, you know total majority of the people in that conference that what they want to do. How would you describe your relationship with uh, Bob Bowlesby so far? Oh, very good. I, I've not known Bob for a long time, and I remember I was at Stanford, went down to see him one time, and that was probably the first time that we really were able to communicate and converse about college athletics and specific items that ADs worked through. And then I was able to see him in... Um, some official capacities when he was the commissioner of the Big 12 and I was involved in other associations or committees and such. So I've known him for a while and it's just been really a smooth transition to chat with him now being in his conference. With the Pac-12 having Notre Dame essentially as the 13th team uh, in October and November with the Stanford SC thing, you guys have slid in there a few times like as recently as last year depending on which team. Uh, do you know if the Big 12 would allow you to do that, or would it be you got to do it, non-conference got to be early? We don't know that. Um, that's a decision that the conference would have to make, not necessarily Bob Bowlesby. I've communicated with Bob about it, and it's one of the one of the things that will go into the determination of how we do those schedules, because there are times where we'll slip those uh, teams in, and it's it's been a, be a great benefit as an independent. It's not as essential as being a member in a conference. Uh, do you know where the Big 12 stands on playoff expansion? Um, well, other, not other than what I've read from Bob, I think it's his personal opinion as um, one of the people in, on the board of the CFP. And he said he's it's, I, I haven't talked to him because I've read it in the paper that he's saying he likes it. Expansion. Mm -hmm. Do you have an opinion on that? I, I like the expansion. I mean, right now. I'm kind of being a realist that with the delay in the expansion, as it's kind of been put on the back burner, there may have to be some tweaks, but I still think that it, it should go beyond where it is right now. I'd probably be willing to accept some other things that if it weren't 12. But there's, I have always felt all along that when they said 12, they didn't come around with how it was going to be with the bowls. And, and that, that was just a a preliminary 
hey, we're looking at this, and there was a lot of work to do, but now it seems to have been, like I said, it's stopped. It's paused. And I think right now, when you see how they work with the Bulls and how you do those playoff games and how you work in home games, I think this just hasn't been discussed enough. So I'm not really totally disappointed that it's on the back burner. I think that it will come back with a clear, a more clear model of how it should be, and how it'll be. I think it'll be more palatable for you know all the participants, which that's what it comes down to. If you're in the CFP, you want to feel good about it. You're going to get all everybody on board with the same thing. No way. But I think it'll be more palatable. Right now, there's just too many people that have varying different opinions. Um, I know you've the uh, Bell Edwards Stadium. You've upgraded a lot over there with the wireless and the fan experience. Are there any more upgrades coming? Maybe in terms of more seats, or not seating, but more uh, the what do you call the chair seats? Yeah, I think that's we're looking at more kind of more hospitality and amenity areas. There's some things that we hope to do. We don't really have immediate expansion plans we as long as i'm the ad we're not putting um, seats in the corners i think it's silly to put seats in the worst part that those would be the last seats to be bought um i think that really right now the supply and demand is going to be about right where but we need to like it's it's interesting how I used to have these great conversations with Glenn Tuckett, our former athletic director, and he would kid me and you know jostle me about when I was the athletic director, we had one sign, one sponsor in the stadium is KSL, one sponsor. And now it looks like a NASCAR. <laughs> and I'm like, Glenn, it's super expensive to run an athletic department, not like it was when you were running it. I guess... Like right now, you can't just have a game. You know, the fans expect entertainment and experiences. Everybody is, is part of it, and so do I. And so when I go to a pro game or another college game, I'm impressed by the experience. So that's what we've been trying to do is, is do that. So I think we'd probably use our finances and resources more focused in the overall experience for the fans. We've done some things outside the stadium in recent years, and now we'll, we'll focus on some of the things that we can do that, I'm not going to say quick fixes, but things that we could do immediately that would be beneficial to our fans. When the decision was made um, to join the Big 12, how have you seen... The each individual program on campus and then the athletic department as a whole, how have you seen this rejuvenate everybody? I don't really think it has. I, I honestly don't think that. They don't talk about it very much, the student-athletes. The coaches aren't, like, giddy. The coaches are serious about it. But I'm just really excited and proud that our coaches and players are focused on the here and the now. And, like, I told them that the way we're going to get in to the Big 12 is to be really good at what we do. And there were times in the last number of years where we weren't great. I think this, but prior to getting in, we started making a real turn towards excellence. Every one of our programs, I think, started to focus more. And I think recruiting was better and development was better. And our performance was better. We really have top-notch kids and coaches right now. And it, can it get better? Yeah. But I, I think their focus right now on what we're doing 
in the West Coast Conference, or you know, some of our teams are independent or in other conferences that are not, like Mountain Pacific, Mountain Rim for gymnastics. And um, I, I think there's probably um, a little bit of a peripheral feel or effect. But I, don't, I can't think that all of a sudden people are saying, we're going into the Big 12, we're going to be better right now. I, I don't see it. I just think that they're, they're really um, they're mature kids that want success. They want to meet their goals, and they're getting after it better now. I think the coaches are more focused, not because of the Big 12, but they're at that point in the development of their teams that they're just better. Have your coaches mentioned to you a difference in – Perception from recruits since that? Yeah, there's no question the recruiting is totally different. I, I want to separate those. I think our recruits understand that. We, we, I don't think there's any question that we lost recruits in the past because we weren't a member of a, a Power Five conference. And some of those recruits had offers to play in a P5 conference. And now that can't be the argument. Now you could say they, they you know, will have to compete as a Big 12 to be a strong conference. You can see right now that there's levels of difference in the Power 5 conferences. And that's something that we're now going to be part of is is competing as a conference, as the Big 12, to accentuate the strength of that conference. It's based on observation and talking to some coaches. It's kind of an odd question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, I got the impression that there's been a little bit of... Um, maybe leniency on grooming standards and some other things, honor-wise. Could you address that? Um, I don't know specifically what you would be addressing, but I think it's a good question. I don't think it has anything to do with, like, the Big 12 or anything specific to athletics. I think it has... If, and and I'll, I'll address one thing in particular. I might get in trouble here, John, so pull me off if, I, if, I'm, if I'm out on a limb. But like, I'm just going to say like, there's the honor code and the dress and grooming standards. And I think that there's, you know, as the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints grows and is in every land, that you're going to find a lot of cultures that have hairdos and other things that are different hairstyles, I should say, and other things that are quite different than the BYU dressing grooming standard. And I think that if, if, have we been a little bit more lenient in that area? The answer is yes, I think so. I don't think that has to do with athletics. No. Uh, but I do think that you'll see it with athletics before you'll see it on campus. But if you walk through our campus, you'll see some of the things that you might see different in athletics that you go, wait, is that, can they do that? Where it's happening on campus. But you'll see it, and it might have started in athletics. There's Tom Homo. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz lose in Minnesota. Five straight losses, and Joe Ingles hurts his knee. It looked really bad. We'll hear something official later today, but it did not look good at all. All. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and uh, 1280 of the zone. The Jazz lose uh, on the road last night to the Timberwolves, 126 to 106. Jake Scott with you. Tough night for the Jazz. Uh, Joe Ingles goes down uh, with an E injury in the first half. It did not look good. He's having an MRI done on the knee this morning. Should have some news uh, hopefully sometime during uh, DJ and PK uh, here this morning. If not, uh, stay tuned to 
Jake and Ben. <laughs> Quick plug from 10 to noon. But, uh, man, just cast a dark cloud over last night's game. The Jazz uh, struggled, uh, missing Donovan and Rudy, of course, and then uh, the injury with Joe. Jazz fought hard in the first half, but were outscored in the third quarter 40-27. to They lose 126-106. to Let's get some sound going. Alex Jensen filled in for Coach Quinn Snyder last night as Coach Snyder is in uh, COVID protocols. Here's what uh, Alex Jensen had to say after the game. We talked to Joe. Are, are, are there any updates on his decision? You know, I saw him at halftime, but I think we're not going to know until tomorrow. I mean, he probably saw the replay. doesn't look good. So, you know, feel bad for him, but hopefully it's better than better than we all think. So, yeah, I don't. I think we'll find out tomorrow when he gets all the whatever the tests. Obviously, I've, I'm, there's got to be a mood hit when something like that happens. Um, what, did the guys seem like that kind of brought them down a little bit coming out of half time? You know, I think, yeah, losing, you know, yeah, losing Joe obviously I think has an effect on our guys. I think we had a little bit of lift at the beginning, but, you know, it kind of compounds to their things, but no excuses. We had some good stretches and, you know, put a lot of, a lot of guys in situations that, they weren't used to, but, you know, give Chris, Chris good, give him credit for the, the game plan. It's the fourth time we played. He's had a different team every time and, and did a good job. When you lose somebody like, you know, Joe mid game, how does it affect you guys? You know, not even physically, just kind of mentally and emotionally. I think the, the first thing, I, well, for me, you worry about Joe, right? Like you hope, cause that's, you wouldn't want to see that happen to anybody, let alone one of your own guys. But I think it's, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. But I think, like I said, we had a little bit of a lift to go. But, yeah, it's not not easy to lose lose a guy like Joe, especially when you're already down a few guys. Just given that, you know, everything that's happened this month between, you know, starting with well, Joe getting COVID and then kind of spiraling from there, various concussions, other injuries. Um, do you guys kind of, like, take a look at, like, a whole month like that and just kind of, like, how do you how do you get over a stretch like this going forward? Well, I mean, there's not. You know, I told the guys after the game. I said, you know, we can all feel sorry for ourselves, and there's plenty of of excuses to point to. But you know, it's something that we have to. We can use it as something that makes us better. Like it's one thing, Coach Schneider's talked about, like these stretches. You know, do one or two things to teams, but I, and I think there have been some good things, but you got to use it to give other guys opportunities, but use it to, to, you know, learn a lesson or two that can help you later in the season. There's Alex Jensen filling in for Coach Snyder last night as he's in uh, COVID protocols. Let's now move on to the players. Let's now hear from Mike Conley. Does it feel like you guys just can't catch a break right now? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously the, the loss hurts a lot, but uh, Joe, you know, is – that took a lot out of guys, um, seeing him, you know, tears in his eyes, just, you know, you know how much this means to him and this game means to him and, um, and what we mean to him, you know, so it's like, you know, it's tough, but, you know, not everything is supposed to be easy. Um, we understand that this will build, build even more character for us, you know, this adversity that we're going through. And, um, you know, you just pray for Joe and hope that, you know, it's as minimal as possible and um, that he recovers as quickly as possible and that our team can recover and, you know, as a group, as a unit and figure out how to, how to keep moving forward. 
were you able to see him and or interact with him at all during halftime? Yeah, we uh, at halftime we were able to we found him in the X-ray room. Um, obviously, it was he was uh, in a tough state, and just everybody came in there, told him you know we loved him, gave him a hug, and told him we're gonna keep fighting. He's gonna keep keep trying to go forward for him. That's what he wanted for us. So. Um, obviously we didn't come out on the, the end that we wanted to on that end, but, uh, I was proud of the way, you know, guys who had to step, had to come in for him and step in for, for Joe, um, came out and played hard. How do you guys schematically, you know, deal with that uh, kind of going forward? Uh, his loss. Yeah. Um, well, uh, obviously we, what Joe brings to our team, you know, the intangibles, his playmaking, his ability to find guys, his ability to space the floor, his high IQ. Um, it's tough to replace a guy like that. Uh, as a unit, you're going to have to rely on multiple people. It might not be the same guy every night. You might be Eli, it might be JB, it might be Trent. Um, Daniel House, obviously, um, missed him a little bit tonight as well. So um, as, a, as a collective unit, we're just going to have to try to find ways to integrate guys into into a role that um, fits them better that they can be the best they can be and, and ultimately help our team how one how difficult is it to kind of get past you know an incident like that you know seeing him hurt that bad in the moment as you know the game starts up again right afterwards and two as you know joe's a guy who's never had a significant injury during his nba career what do you kind of say to him to kind of help him through that yeah, um, it's always tough when you a guy that's love like you know Joe, a teammate. Um, you know, especially in, in my shoes as a, as a vet, you know, you see a lot of a lot of things happen throughout your years, and you know, at your later stages in your career, you know, you've given everything you have to this game, and that's not how you want to be. You know, dealing with something like that at you know at thirty three, thirty four years old, and. Um, you know, in the moment, you just you try to stay in the moment. You try to stay focused and help guys through it because you know a lot of guys are going to be feeling something. But um, ultimately, just just uh, you know, understand it, let him know that you you know love him and believe in him and all that uh, in the moment and go back to hooping. But um, you know, just telling him, you know, keep his head up. You know, he's a strong dude. He's he's a reason why he played so many games in a row, and um, he's going to be back stronger. Whatever the issue is ultimately and and uh, you know just be positive through the whole through the whole ordeal mike conley 22 points five assists four rebounds a lot of thoughts about joe ingles of course that was the big story of the game joe going down with an injury uh up next uh let's now hear from boyan bogdanovich it's pretty pretty bad just to see him in a and I hope it's not bad as it looks right now, so, especially for, for our team as well. It's hard to kind of come out of halftime and find the emotion and energy to be able to play when you take that big hit. I mean, it was. It was actually. I mean, we were thinking about him for all whole second half, about trying to trying to get information because he was. He was moved by a couple, couple doctors in here, but uh, like I said, I mean, pretty, a little pretty bad, but uh, like I said, I hope, I hope that I'm right tomorrow to show that it's not. 
I don't know why now he was our our second second ball handler. He's like he's playing the most football. After after Mike, he was trying. He was involving all of all of us. So that that also kind of kind of hurt us a lot of a lot of turnovers in our in the third quarter because we didn't have him over there handling handling the ball. But uh, I mean tough loss, but. Uh, but to lose to lose draw at this point of the, of the season, especially when we are when we are playing better and we need every every single guy. I mean, it's pretty pretty sick. Just in the way that Monaghan, right, John, told me and I mean, no matter what what Monday is, right now we are still missing missing Donovan. Donovan already Joe hurt as well. So at this point, it's more more most important thing for us is to, to get healthy and get uh, as much as guys that we that we can. Yeah, healthy. Like we, we saw you kind of went off the other night and threw the short table the night. Uh, that what it is. It's uh, my favorite structure, but I don't want to. I need a very spring, even if it's part of me, but I don't want to talk about, about my injury or especially the, the way I'm playing. Uh, but I'm not shooting, so I, I don't need I don't need any excuse. All of us that got a man up and, 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 and play better, play a bit, way better than we are playing right now. Is there any, is there any uh, concern about standings? Then for Dallas is full within the game, Denver's full within like a game. You know, so, you know, double more than Foss if you guys are in the six and you know, like three and a half up on seven. I mean, the way that we are, that we are hurt right now, it's it's, it's our our injuries, and we got down with the with the COVID right now. So, so we got a six six or seven game stretch at, at home right now. It's it's time to get a to get a couple of W's and, 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 and make separation. But like I said, more important to get healthy and, and be healthy for the. There's Boyan Bogdanovich who uh, busted out of his shooting slump. He uh, had 23 to lead the way for the Jazz last night, 7-11 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3, so he shot the ball really well. Let's now wrap up the player sound with Rudy Gay. Man, um, really tough, you know, cell phone. You know, he's one of our guys. You know, one of those guys you put in any situation and they make the best out of it. You know, he's a, not even just about basketball, he's having a, a lot of room. He's, he's, he's really good for us. Um, and, you know, he's still our guy. And um, no matter what outcome of, or whatever happens, he's still going to be our guy. He's still going to be around. And, and, you know, what's his name? What's the mindset for you guys? You got to be going forward, you know, dealing with something like this? Um... You know, I don't know. We have to go to the drawing board and figure it out. You know, we, we, you know, 
pumped if we have we had time to digest it. You know, we had a lot of guys out by inches. Um, obviously, uh, is being the most serious, but uh, we just need time to digest. And, and really, what we're going through right now is just building character for us. Feel like you guys can't really catch a break right now. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, you have COVID, you have all these other things, all these other things going on, but the only strong survive. Um, it, it was tough, you know. It was tough to not have them out there just because we need as many bodies as we can. Um, but, you know, this is just our job. This is what we do. Um, we take it seriously. Um, we love Joe. We love Joe. We love what he does on the court. But, you know, you know, man to man, you know, we get to see that happen and we feel for him and want him to be healthy and play with us. But, you know, business-wise, we got to win. We got to find ways to win without him. Whatever period of time that may be. Yeah, just one more on the line. Like, you know, playing around now. Obviously, you know, that's how you know, 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 you like I said, you know, we're going to use now, and this is going to make this tougher in the long run. There's Rudy Gay in 17 minutes, five points, two of eight shooting, one of six from three, and uh, talking about how they've got to snap out of it. From playing, they're in survival mode now, according to Rudy Gay. The final 126 to 106. Jazz fall to the Timberwolves. Up, not, up next, the Jazz take on the Nuggets on Wednesday night ESPN game. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. Coming up next, more DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the post-game show. What is trending? All the headlines. Next.